You're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. We're so glad you're getting caught up on the message. Today, we continue our summer sermon series, I Am, with a message from Reverend Annie Bullard titled, The Good Shepherd. Let's check it out. How is that for a welcome? You can keep it up if you want to. Uh, Beautiful people, it is great to be here with you today, both of you guys in this space and online. Let's give a hoot and holler for online. Yes, we love you. We've got chat host Robin, chat host Bryce, chat host Micah, and chat host Courtney there. And so it's so great that even in this season of, you know, the whole COVID thing, we've been able to find a new way to create church, create spaces so that others can come in. And I'm just so thankful that we're all in this together. You guys too? It's so good. I'm so, so, so very thankful. So we are in the middle of an I Am Summer series. We've looked at I Am Who I Am. I am the bread. I am the light. I am the gate. And now today we're going to be looking at I Am the Good Shepherd. We're looking at who Jesus says he is. So some of my resources today, I'm going to, of course, bounce out of the Word of God. And then also we'll be, I'll be uh, using some insights from a man named Philip Keller. He wrote a book called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. Really cool because he himself was a shepherd and really brings alive uh, who Christ says he is when he is the good shepherd. And then I'm also uh, going to uh, be looking at some insight from Matthew Henry. So that's uh, who I'm looking at today. We're we're bouncing out of, and let's get to it and do it. So in, cha- in chapter 9, uh, Jesus had just healed a man that was blind from birth. And the religious people, the Pharisees, couldn't handle it. They were bent out of shape. They wanted to get to the bottom of the healing. Like, what is going on here? Who are you? And then, uh, so they're doing some investigation. And then Jesus is speaking to some of the religious people here. This is Jesus speaking in John chapter 10. I'm going to read from the ESV. I am the good shepherd. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, so they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The sheep comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd who does not own the sheep. He sees a wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also. And they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock, one shepherd. And for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life and I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let's bow our heads and pray. 
Father, we thank you for your word that lights up the path ahead of us, God. We thank you for the direction that you give us in your love letter. We thank you that you're so very intimate and so very loving and you give us, as you give us instruction. We thank you that you are our good shepherd. And as we unpack what that means today, I pray that you'd speak personally and intimately to each and every one of us in the sound of my voice, including this one right here. Father, would you speak to me, speak to each and every one of us. We just declare right now that we are available, Lord. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you're anything like me, you like to know where you're going. Anybody like me? Like, okay, can you just tell me what's next? I don't know why it bugs me if I don't know what's coming up next. So where we're going, I'm going to give you some interesting facts on some sheep. We're going to define a shepherd. Then we're going to head back to the Old Testament and look at David in Psalm 23, how he relates to the shepherd. And then we're going to go into chapter 10, what I just read, and we're going to unpack that a little bit. And I'm hoping and believing that each and every one of us will leave with a challenge this morning. Yep for it? All right. Sounds like you are. All right. So some sheep facts. Oh, before I get to the sheep facts, I just want to tell you a little story. Something my own personal life, some of my own ridiculousness, it somehow does relate to the message. Um, You know, it just kind of highlights how we can be so ridiculous sometimes. Uh, So... um, a lot of the time. Uh, so anyway, uh, this is several years ago, several, several years ago. Um, it, every Christmas, we like to go out as a family. It's just kind of like one, one last hurrah for the bills. And uh, so we're in North Syracuse at the time, and we went to a local pizza shop where they had incredible wings, like you could co- totally hog out in there. And then, but there's no calories because it's like Christmas time, you know? And <laughs> January comes, and you're like, what happened? Uh, anyway, um, so we're in there, and it's super full. And so we're in the like little breezeway where they've got like a little waiting room, a makeshift waiting room. And there's some um, space heaters and some, uh, some benches. I go to sit down on one of the benches. My son joins me. And I go to lean back. And my husband, who's always very safety conscious, everybody say, hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. <laughs> he says to me, be careful you don't catch on fire. And I was like, oh, my God. Be careful I don't catch on fire. Okay. Now you can see where this is going, right? So I'm like, oh, okay. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. And so, like, a few minutes later, I hear my son go, and I I was like, my God, not the fact that I could be on fire, but the fact that Rob told me to be careful I didn't catch on fire, and I was probably catching on fire. So uh, we're just ridiculous sometimes. So I pull up my arm. I have a down uh, jacket on, and feathers go, and it's, like, smoldering. And I totally forgot stop, drop, and roll, and I'm like, my God! So it's, like, fanning it into flame. Thankfully, it was Christmas. It was snowing out. I run out. Now, if you've ever smelled burnt feathers... Let me just tell you, you can go the rest of your life without smelling them, okay? <laughs> Running out, ah! Shove it in a snowbank. I realized not all was lost because I could just zip off the arms and I had a new vest. So, you know. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so I don't know what it is, but here I have someone that's looking out for me, and I still want to do it my own way, you know? I got someone looking out for me, and I still say, no, I'm fine. I'm not going to catch on fire. We're good. I don't know what it is about us humans that has difficulty submitting to the care of another. I hope I'm not alone in this. Yeah. So some sheep facts. Sheep require more than any other livestock, endless attention and meticulous care. Sheep are timid animals. The sight of something unknown or a potential threat can send a whole flock going fleeing, running for their lives, having no means of defense but the shepherd. Sheep have very little ability of taking care of themselves or defending themselves without the shepherd's help. 
Sheep are panicky. And even if sheep are not bitten or directly attacked or if they survive attack, they can die simply because they're in sheer panic. This is interesting. It is almost impossible for sheep to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. They're free from fear, free from social friction or tension, free from pests or aggravation, and then free from hunger. And it's only the sheepman himself who can relieve the sheep of these anxieties. It's the diligence of the owner of the good shepherd. So then the shepherd, a shepherd defined, defined as a noun is one who protects, guides, watches over a person or a group of people. And then as a verb, it's defined as to watch over carefully. There's no substitute for the peace that it brings to the sheep to know that they have the good shepherd nearby. A good shepherd would watch over his sheep carefully as they need constant care. Last week, Pastor Lisa talked about the gate and how a good shepherd would lay down at the gate to keep the sheep in and keep the predators out, literally laying down his life for his sheep. And I find it interesting in Psalm 23 that David, as a shepherd who knows very well the attention that sheep need, how dramatic sheep can be, and he relates himself and yields himself into surrender to the good shepherd's care. He knew what it was like to be a shepherd, and David relates to his sheep. David says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So King David he makes the statement in Psalm 23, I shall not want. Now, this is a statement that's made from a shepherd who is contented as a sheep, satisfied with his owner's care. He says, I shall not want. But I read that, my friends, and I say, huh, well, I do want, you know? So what am I supposed to do with that? You know, am I the only one? Like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But I do, you know? I live on the broken side of eternity. I'm a broken human being, and sometimes I want. So what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Well, this statement, digging into Psalm 23 a little bit more, another way to express that verse is being so content that you wouldn't want or crave anything more than what the good shepherd would give. So David makes this statement, I shall not want. And he had known intense deprivation. He had known deep personal poverty. He had known acute hardship, loss, and anguish. And here's the thing, knowing God, knowing a good shepherd doesn't take away the reality of the world that we live in. Jesus even said, in this world you will have trouble. And he wasn't being a downer, he was stating the straight up facts. I think sometimes we can become disillusioned when we come to know the Lord and we expect a bed of roses. But Jesus even said, in this world you will have trouble. And it was that word in Greek that, that's thalipsis, and it means anguish, burden, persecuted, burdens beyond what you can bear. Jesus said we would expect that, but then in his next breath, he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That is the shepherd that you are placing yourself under. So in the midst of hardship, David states, I shall not want. In other words, he's saying, I shall not lack the expert care of my manager. So surrendering to Jesus, our good shepherd, is a choice on this broken side of eternity. It's not something that, like me, be careful you don't catch on fire. Oh, okay, thanks. Thanks, honey. I'm, I'm not planning on catching on fire. I'll be careful. No, we're like, I'm good. I'm good. But we have an excellent, excellent manager who wants to take us tenderly under his care. 
So we've taken a peek at the sheep. We've defined a shepherd. We've talked about submitting to the excellent care of our manager. Now let's move on to our text today found in the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And our first point out of four is the sheep hear their shepherd's voice. This is John, chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Now I would know my husband's voice anywhere. He can't fool me. I know him. I know my husband's voice. I know my children's voice. And I know their voices because I've spent a lot of time with them. I have a relationship with them. I I have a relationship with these people I call my family. The sheep hear and know their shepherd's voice. So knowing our shepherd's voice will help us to overcome those hurts and those hang-ups and those snags that can keep us down. It will also help us to make wise decisions on our life journey. Now, if you're a friend of mine or if you've heard me preach before, you've probably heard me speak on God's voice versus the enemy's voice. And we're going to talk about it today because it's so incredible how God has given us authority in his word to take our thoughts captive. But so often we listen to the voice of the enemy and we spiral out of control. We spin out on a voice that's not even our good shepherd. Am I alone in that? I can spin out if I don't take care to really think about whose voice am I listening to? Jesus, our good shepherd's voice, calms, comforts, convicts, encourages, enlightens, leads, reassures, and stills. But the Right. Thank you, God, that you're, you're so good to us. That's the Lord. But the enemy or the imposter's voice obsesses, worries, condemns, discourages, pushes, confuses, and frightens and rushes. And so often we entertain the voice of the enemy that will cause us to spin out instead of listening to that still small voice that brings us peace. So with every voice, there's a choice. Where is the thought coming from? What is it rooted in? Is it a truth? Is it a lie? Is it from our good shepherd? 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, God gave us his spirit, and the spirit doesn't make us weak and fearful. Instead, the spirit gives us power and love and helps us to control ourselves. We're given authority to take control over our mind, to choose whose voice that we're going to listen to. Now, in my brokenness, I have a tendency to listen to the voice of shame, shame for my past choices, shame for my current decisions, because I'm a weird human being that does dumb things frequently. So shame likes to try to have a say in my life. But I know that my good shepherd scorned shame on the cross. And so shame doesn't get to have a say in my life anymore. So that is something where I will take that thought captive to turn to the one who speaks tenderly and truly to me in my salvation in him. So the voice of truth will absolutely dispel the lies, but we can't discern the truth versus the untruth until until we're in relationship with the good shepherd, right? I mean, it's hard to know what voice to listen to if you don't know what his voice sounds like. So we can build a relationship with Jesus daily by talking to him in prayer and by reading his love letter to us, the Bible. And I know sometimes it's difficult, but each and every one of us in this room has had to figure that out. Like, Lord, how do I get to know you? So talk, if you're not, in the, if you're not get regularly hearing, getting in, in a place where you can hear the Good Shepherd's voice, talk to somebody you know. Give me a call at the front desk. We're, we do a uh, reading plan here at Word of Life. You can join, the, join us on the app and, and get in the Word that way, but get in the word so you can hear his voice. I challenge you, the sheep hear their shepherd's voice. And then point number two, the good shepherd lays down his life 
for his sheep. Now, Jesus is the gate and the good shepherd, and he offers protection and a rich and abundant life. Pastor Lisa talked about that last week. He literally died in our place. He took a beating. He was nailed to the cross with our sin heaped upon him. And in spite of having such a savior like this, some of us are just not content with a good shepherd's control. We think that we know what's best, kind of like me catching on fire. Nah, I'm good. No worries. I'm not going to catch on fire. I know what I'm doing. So in the book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, the author author describes a sheep that he owned named Mrs. Gadabout. And it kind of reminds, that reminds me of me when I think I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Don't worry about me. That's me. Um, Could be you too. Um, We'd probably get along. So the shepherd calls this sheep Mrs. Gadabout. He says that she was beautiful and restless, but she was a fence crawler. She was always looking for a way to get out of the pasture. Even though there wasn't much out there for her, even though there was danger for her, she still found herself pressed up against the fence. She made a way out. She even encouraged other sheep to go with her. So finally, even though she had the best care in the sheep pen, The the sheep owner had to let her go. The good shepherd had to let her go. Romans 1 tells us that God will hand us over. They, They did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. But here's the thing. God doesn't go anywhere. We do. He is constant. We are the ones that wander. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, that's kind of like a gug. You don't want to hear contentment sometimes where you're at on this broken side of eternity. But God says it's great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. The Amplified Bible says it this way. But godliness actually is a source of great gain when accompanied by contentment. That contentment which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. So can we trust? Are you contented, satisfied, gratified in the good shepherd's care, or do you think it may be greener in other pastures? Now, sheep have a real pathetic issue. It's called being cast down. It's an old shepherd's term. And when a sheep was cast down, what would happen was it would get away from its shepherd, and then it would turn over on its back, and then it couldn't get back up. I mean, if you think about it, the sheep's spindly little legs, you know, with that big round, fluffy part that's the body, you, they couldn't, they can't get themselves back up. And even if they get to their side, it's difficult to get themselves back up. They need the shepherd's care to get back up straight. And that's why it's so important that a shepherd will keep close count of his sheep. That's why the good shepherd would leave the 99 to run after the one, because it's detrimental and it's urgent. A good shepherd will be watching for that missing sheep, putting down his own life on the line, because predators are always looking for the next meal of lamb chops. Hold the mint jelly. I thought that was funny. I put that in there on purpose. Okay, moving right along. An interesting and upsetting fact about cast sheep is that they're easy prey. So predators watch for the lost sheep and the cast sheep, and it makes it even more difficult when the sheep is heavy fleeced, when it has long fleece, because what happens is it lays down to get comfortable, it rolls up on its back, and then gases build up to cut off blood circulation, and a cast sheep can die in just a matter of hours, and the predator is there waiting for the one that has gotten out of the, sh- of the sheep pen, out of safety. And I thought this was interesting, and I thought how much this can relate to our own lives. 
Watch for soft spots to get too comfortable in. And by that, I'm talking about isolation, bitterness, self-centeredness, or self-pity. Those are areas where we can get real comfortable and become the focal point of our enemy. Also, getting rid of the extra weight, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about past, our past, unforgiveness, comparing, gossiping, anything that separates you from the Father. Get rid of the extra weight. That's a choice you can make on the daily. And to be careful not to look to other sheep to get you set up straight. I mean, think about, you got spindly legs, they got spindly legs, how much could another sheep do? I used to listen to Joyce Meyer a lot, and she used to say, don't go to the throne, run to the phone. No, don't. she never said that. She said, don't run to the phone, run to the throne. <laughs> don't tell Joyce I said that. Um, but it's so, isn't that the case? Like you, want to, you want to run to a friend to help you set you up straight. And there are times that we can glean from one another and be there for, for one another. But you have a good shepherd who wants to lead you, who desires to be with you, who desires to have an intimate relationship with you. So check yourself. You have a shepherd that lays down his life for you. Do you trust him with your one and only life? And then the third point, other sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, has other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. And he says, I must bring them in. That word must caught my eye, must. In the Greek, it's a word dei, which means necessary as binding. It is necessary for the lost sheep to come home. Jesus is bound to the necessity of bringing the lost sheep into his pen. What I love so much about the Word of God is it tells us that we are so loved. Romans 5.8 states amazingly, God demonstrate his, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Not a cleaned up version, not a better person, not what more well behaved, a sinner. Sinners sin, and that's who Jesus gave his life for, sinful people, people that are lost sheep, and he must bring them into the sheep pen. Now, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Now, Jesus is our good shepherd, and he's great at restoring souls. Now, recently I was given a book called Gentle and Lowly, and it has rocked my world. If you have difficulty remembering how loved you are by the Savior, I highly recommend this book. So I want to read a little bit to you. It says that God is rich in mercy, means that your regions of deepest shame and regret are not hotels through which divine mercy passes, but homes that make it, it, it means that the things about, ugh, okay, hold on. That God is rich in mercy means that your regions of deepest shame and regret are not hotels through which divine mercy passes, but homes in which divine mercy abides. It means the things about you that make you cringe the most are the things that make him hug the hardest. I love that. I love that so much. It reminds me of, uh, you know, when we talk about the good shepherd that must see the lost sheep return home. It reminds me of a one-liner that Pastor Claude Valdez, my friend, and who was the executive pastor here for years, he used to say, don't offend before the gospel offends. Because when you're sinning and you don't want to stop, God's word can be offensive, right? It can cut us to the core. It can convict. But here's the thing. We don't want to get in the way of that. We don't want to be offensive before the gospel even gets to have a say. So we have to be careful how we treat others. I am a credential holder with the Assemblies of God, and 
I'm only saying that because I am a missionary, um, a local missionary with the assemblies, and we go into strip clubs, and we love on people in dark places, and so often I have to unpack weird things that Christians have done to these hurt and broken individuals. And so, you know, in the few minutes that I have, I'm having to right wrongs and tell them that know they're loved right where they're at. Yes, God sees a better life for them, but they are loved right where they're at. They don't have to get cleaned up to come to the Father. And sometimes we can get in the way of the gospel message that says, I loved you so much that while you were still a sinner, I died for you. And we can get in the way, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. So, Be careful of the way that you treat others. Be kind, be respectful. Romans 2.4 talks about that loving kindness that leads us to repentance. He says, don't you realize how patient he is with you or don't you care? Can't you see that he's been waiting all this time without punishing you to give you time to turn from your sin? His kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. It'd be great for us to take a nod from scripture and be kind to those lost sheep. God is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 talks about love. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It, is, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. Loving people who live contrary to our belief system can be trying. But having a rotten attitude and being rude to those who are living contrary to God's word does not line up with the way that God loves. So Jesus, the good shepherd, he wants to hug those lost sheep into an abundant life with him. So are we conscientious of how we represent him to those sheep outside the pen? Because other sheep matter. And then finally, our final point is Christ's authority as the good shepherd. This is the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 17 through 18. So remember how David starts off Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord protects, guides, watches over his people. Now, when that simple declaration is made by a Christ follower, what it implies is that it takes an ordinary lump of clay and then pulls it to divine destiny. By making that declaration, the Lord is my shepherd. It implies that we have a relationship with one greater than us that is looking out for us. Jesus is our good shepherd. And when Jesus was God incarnate amongst men, he declared in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. Throughout history, Jesus was gentle and tender and true. He was always righteous. He was tough on phony people. And he came to set people free. He is the good shepherd, the understanding shepherd. He is uh, the concerned shepherd who cares enough to seek and save out and restore lost men and women, to restore us. Now, there's something really special about belonging to this loving shepherd. There's a distinct mark that is put on a Christ follower, a man or a woman, who differentiates themselves. Now, in in that book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, when Philip had gone out to purchase his first 30 female sheep, his first 30 ewes, uh, he was super stoked, and he took an older shepherd with him. And the, they were looking at the, the sheep, and he felt so proud and so happy. And the older shepherd said, okay, Philip, now they're yours. Now you have to mark them. Because when you look at a sheep, you know who they belong to by their markings. And so 
it was a little inhumane the way they did it back then. Now there's like ear tags and necklaces and spray paint. But back then it was, you would lay down the sheep on a rock. So he said you would have to run after the sheep, catch it, lay the sheep down and then carve your marking in the ear of the sheep. So that when you see the sheep far away or if you saw a lost sheep, you would know who that shepherd belonged to, that sheep belonged to, what shepherd that sheep belonged to. And so, you know, I think about what it is that our good shepherd did for us to allow us to bear his mark. And as a Christ follower, we carry the mark of our shepherd. Another way to say it is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we receive Jesus, the adventure begins. And then the journey continues by making him Lord over each and every area of our life. And that process of being set apart and growing in godliness is called sanctification. In that book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, Philip says, but from the mutual suffering, there is an indelible, which means cannot be erased, eliminated, or forgotten. But from the mutual suffering, there is an indelible lifelong mark of ownership, which was made that could never be erased. And from then on, every sheep that came into the shepherd's possession would bear the shepherd's mark. So a question for us to ask ourselves this morning is, do I bear the mark of my good shepherd? What is the fruit of my character? Do people know who my shepherd is? And do I resemble Christ? No, I'm a sheep that's prone to wander. And I need regularly to submit to my shepherd's care. Jesus made it clear in Matthew chapter 16 when he said, if any man is my disciple or follower, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And what that means is that a person would exchange his own desires for a more productive and satisfying adventure being guided by God. We need to regularly search our hearts and motives in a personal relationship to Jesus. Is he my shepherd or am I looking to be a fence crawler? God deliberately chose us to create us on purpose for his, as the object of his affection. And yet so many of us refuse to acknowledge this. So my encouragement to each and every one of us this morning is to come under the direction, to come under the care, to come under the management of the Good Shepherd, to forfeit our way of truth for his, because we can't have it both ways. And he's a gentleman and he will not force himself on us. He has given us free will. And free will, without free will, there isn't true love, right? He's given us free will to choose him, to choose to put ourselves under his care. And so will you give authority to the one who gave it all and rescued your soul? Will you continue to choose your own way with the potential of getting burned? It's your choice. I wanna pray for us this morning. Thank you. I wanna pray for us this morning and um, maybe we could all bow our heads. Let, your neighbor have a private moment next to you. No peeking. You all know I like to peek during prayer. Don't do it. Just, just give your neighbor some peace to be with the Lord right now. And if you've been impacted today, like I have as I've been putting together this message, and you haven't really been intentional with spending time with your good shepherd, 
but you want to begin to know what his voice sounds like. Or maybe you haven't been contented in his care and you've been a fence crawler, but you need to make him Lord over every area of your life. Or perhaps you've been a jerk to the lost sheep around you. They're just in need of a shepherd and God, you need God's help for you to be kind. And if that's you, without anybody peeking, would you lift your hand? I wanna pray for you today. If you're having difficulty and you need God's help, thank you, thank you. Thank you, me too. I'm in good company. Help us, Lord. Help us to live under your care and management. Help us to love others well. And then finally in this moment, I can't let this moment go past without praying, give, giving opportunity for those that are in this space and those online that maybe haven't given their lives to Christ. Or maybe it's been a long time and you've been outside of the pen and you've realized, hey, I'm starving over here. I need what my, what my heavenly father, what my good shepherd can give me. And you wanna rededicate your life. Or maybe you've never even given him a shot, but you find yourself in the, in, the, in the sound of my voice and you're like, yeah, I want to give Jesus a shot. I want to commit myself to, to this savior. I'd like to give him a try. I'm kind of botching it up on my own. I've kind of been on fire over here. And if that's you, without anybody looking around, if you're online, you can click, I receive Jesus. If you're in this space, I'd love you to just read, raise your hand and I will agree with you. And then we'll pray. My right, your left, anybody in these banks of seats, wanna give Jesus your all in all. Moving through the center and then moving over to the left-hand side. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. I thank you that you give us what we need, that you help us, Lord, on this broken side of eternity to seek you and to put you in the care, put ourselves in your care as an excellent manager of our lives. And then we want to commit ourselves to you in prayer with a salvation prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I want to follow you. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Help me follow you every day. I want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen.